Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. I'm Jen. Today we're talking about Mrs. Doubtfire, which was released in the U.S. on uh, November 24th, 1993, and in the U.K. and Ireland on January 28th. Oh, that's my birthday! On January 28th, 1994. <laughs> it was written by Randy Mam Singer and Lexi Dixon, and directed by Chris Columbus, who I love. It yeah. stars Robin Williams, Sally Field, Pierce Brosnan, Lisa Jacob, uh, Matthew Lawrence, and Mara Wilson. Yeah, can't forget the kids. Um, this is the first movie that we've covered that is um, credited completely to two female writers. It's a, it's a, uh, so what's the problem first? <laughs> um, what's going to happen is this. Jen and I have thought of three problems this movie has, three each. They could be major problems or they could be silly, pointless ones. We will take turns and go through them one at a time, and neither knows what the other one has picked. Um, at the end, we'll both have one positive thing to say about the movie each. So, uh, Jen, do you have any history with Mrs. Doubtfire? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. Uh, it says here it came out in the U.S. on November 24th, 1993. So I'm going to guess I probably saw it November 25th. Right. Um, <laughs> I know I saw it in theater. It's For some reason, this experience sticks in my head more than any other, or more than most, because I remember I really had to go to the bathroom and I was trying, you know, you don't want to do that when you're watching a movie in the theater because you don't want to miss anything. But yeah. I finally was like, I got to go. So I, you know, I run to the bathroom, come back. I'd only missed like a minute or something. But when I came in, the audience was laughing so hard and sounded so happy. And I was devastated that I had missed some joke that everyone was losing it over. And I didn't go to the bathroom at the movies again for like 15 years. Uh, even if the film was crap. Yeah, like, it's, I'm so afraid of missing something because that, normally I wouldn't remember the theater experience for a movie that came out in 1993, but I just, I felt devastated. I watched this so much as a kid. Um, you know, we had it on VHS right away. I watched it over and over and over again. I loved Robin Williams, like most kids in the early 90s. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I hadn't watched it probably since the 90s uh, until, you know, yesterday. And it was one of those things where, like, there was a lot I'd forgotten. Um, but it starts, and, you know, he's he's doing the voiceover for that cartoon. And I'm like, you know, as he's saying it, I'm like, piss off, Lou. And, I'm like, I knew the words. Like, yeah. even after over 20 years. I remember way too much about this movie. So... That's a long way of saying I have a lot of very distant experience with this movie. How about you? Well, I ha- also have a cinema story. Really? <laughs> really? Well, you kind of, yeah. I saw this in the cinema 
in 94, I don't know, it must have been about February-ish, um, with my mum. And up until 2013, it was the only movie we saw together in the cinema. Really? Um, yeah, it was the first time me and my mum just went to the cinema. I, don't, I can't remember why we went. It would have been in Glasgow, which is like an hour's travel from here, so we must have been going in for a reason. And it couldn't have been Christmas shopping because it would have been after Christmas. So I've got no idea why we were in Glasgow at the time. But we went and saw Mrs. Doubtfire, and that was the last time until 2013 when we saw Gravity together, and then we saw Last Christmas, Last Christmas. Yeah, I've seen Mrs. Doubtfire a lot of times over the years. Um, I've seen it on VHS and DVD, on TV, and now on Blu-ray, because mm-hmm. I bought the Blu-ray. Uh, and you know the movie that it has a special place in my heart. This movie because I adore Robin Williams. <laughs> I love the man and I always have. I remember watching one of his stand-up um, routines back when I was maybe ten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know, a little bit too young to be watching a Robin Williams stand-up routine. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I've loved him ever since. Uh, watching it now as an adult. Kinda, uh, holy shit! But it's still, it's still fun. It's fun. Before we get into the problems, can I just make one comment? Uh huh. Um, watching this, and obviously there are things that I understand are wrong, and I've definitely, I didn't, I haven't done as much research as I did last week with Pretty Woman, but you know, I did a little bit of research, and if like trans people say that they have a problem with it, then I'm just gonna like go with that. Yeah. But this movie, to me, is like Three's Company. Yeah. When I watch it, I feel like it's problematic, but also progressive. Yeah, the, the whole him dressing up as a woman thing isn't even part of my problems. It's not, I don't see it as, it's not, he's not a trans character. It's, he's a man in drag. So, it's not the same thing. Well, the the problem is there's this um, myth of, like, the man in the dress that's going to hide in the women's restroom and attack women. Yeah. Um, a lot of people feel that this movie contributes to the whole man in a dress thing and the idea that, like, men could just dress as women. Like, it's and it isn't the fault of this movie. Like, I, I do have some problems with them dressing up as a woman, but it's, like, a, it's a totally different thing. But um, I think this movie has pure intentions. But, and I, I mean, part of what I say about, like, it being progressive is this came out in, like, you know, 93, 94. And his uh, brother is gay and has a partner. And, like, that's just, no, it's, not a, it's not a thing. And so there's things like that where it's like, oh, th- this is, this is <laughs> a little ahead of its time here. here and, well, it shouldn't be ahead of its time, but unfortunately it, that sort of thing is, but it is like, it's one of those things where, you know, someone will say, Oh, this, you know, not this specific movie, but just like a movie. Well, you know, they'll say this movie contributes to rape culture and you'll be able to say, well, no, it, I could see why you might say that, but it makes sense in the story or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then when you put it together with everything like that, it's a bigger problem and it's kind of like a lot of things that haven't aged well as far as like men in dresses and you know trans stuff 
Yeah. Like, individually, you can defend them, a lot of them, but if you put them together, they've created something bad. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, poo-poo anyone in the trans community who have a problem with this, because if they do, then, you know, that's, that's their mm-hmm. um, prerogative. Uh, if they find it offensive, who am I to say that they're wrong? Um, because, you know... I'm not in that position. I can't mm-hmm. say anything to it. Uh, but again, I don't see it as trans. I see it as drag. So it's I don't I don't think it's as controversial as you might assume. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, but I also just think it's important to acknowledge that we are two people that I think fall in this weird category where, like, we're cisgender, um, so we can't speak to like. Like, we know what we're watching, we understand the story, we understand what we're watching, and we're we're just not going to confuse things. But you have to remember, a lot of people are idiots, and they <laughs> watch things, and they get something totally wrong from it. It's kind of like, um, you know, like today I was reading something about how uh, Jenna Fisher has problems with people, like, thinking she and John Krasinski are married in real life. Because they played Jim and Pam on The Office. Yeah. That, like, people don't understand they aren't a couple. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember that there are people on that level <laughs> who I could see why they might get a bad message from this. But yeah, because you do hear, like, a lot of stories of um, actors getting, like, um, death threats and hate mail and stuff because they play like an arsehole on, a, on TV or in a movie or something. And it's like, right, they're just they're just acting. They're not really like that. We can uh, get into it now, but I felt like we had to at least talk about that because I don't think you and I are going to have super specific things in the obvious no. problematic area. Yes, yes. And if anyone has a problem with that, um, we're sorry that we can't speak to it because... We can't speak to it. <laughs> yeah, better yeah. that. Yeah, I'm. I'm not writing off anyone's problems with it, but I also oh, it's it's like the thing with Pretty Woman and the the sex worker thing. Like, I just I never want anyone to think that we are glossing over something that is important, but we just can't speak to. Because it might be people who watch Pretty Woman and didn't think that was the ugliest fucking tie in the face of the planet. Oh my god. I do think that's the ugliest fucking tie in the face of the planet. But there might be people who think that it's a nice tie. So who am I (laughs) to argue? (laughs) Just trying to keep it light, Jen. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetic boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. Um, right, so I'm going to say my first problem. 
as an animation fan, mm-hmm. this has always um, stuck with me. Because at the start of the movie, Daniel's doing voiceover. But the cartoon's already animated, <laughs> which is not how cartoons are made. It's always voice first. And that annoys me. Now, I, I, found, I found an explanation for that, though. Right. Now, it's possible that he's replacing someone. <laughs> yeah, that's... Um, but, um, and if the first voice actor didn't work out, you may get someone else, but you would still do that before the thing is animated. Mm-hmm. Because the problem would be during production when he, during voice recording. Mm-hmm. So that that doesn't I don't agree with that before you even say it, Jen. Um, well, that's like that's like when I'm watching you know a movie or a TV show where somebody's filming something. And, like, yeah. like, I feel like there was something like that in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where, like, the scene starts and you're seeing everything from multiple cameras and, like, uh, you have, uh, the like, the music's there and everything. And a lot of times this is done, they're trying to trick you into thinking it's, like, a real scene or something. But yeah. I hate that because I'm like, no, that stuff's added later. Yeah. Um, and I know it's for the viewer and I know that most people don't understand how movies and TV shows are made, but I can't do it. <laughs> this animation thing, this has actually stuck with me since 1994. I noticed this when I watched it for the first time <laughs> in the cinema, because I've always, I've, I mean, I've, I've been a lifelong fan of Hanna-Barbera cartoons, mm-hmm. and Chuck Jones, um, who actually directed the animated segment in this movie, he's got a very distinctive style. You can tell it's Chuck Jones that's, you know, created, that drew those characters. Um, so I've, you know, that's just something I've known all my life, basically, and it just annoyed me when it was like he is doing this voiceover, and also another thing that bothers me, and we're going to get into the character of Daniel, but the thing that bothers me is he has a problem with that and doing the voice and with the animated um, bird smoking, but he doesn't voice it. I mean, I know it's for the benefit of us, but he doesn't voice his concerns until he's actually doing, you know, the the acting part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, did he not read the script? I hadn't thought of that, but maybe he just, like, snapped. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe Daniel's just an arsehole and he just wanted to cause trouble. But, hey. <laughs> I do think it's, it's shitty of him to walk out, although it seems like uh, Miranda probably makes enough money that he doesn't, he can just walk off jobs. I like that he's like being like, "Don't put smoking in cartoons." That's good. <laughs> like he's at least I thought I remembered him. I had because it had been so long. I remembered him quitting just because he's an asshole. Yeah. But like he was, I, he was standing up for something at least. So that's good. I agree with that one hundred percent. But he should have done this before. That's true. He should have said this before. No, so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't disagree. Um, yeah. But it's got a great animated um, segment in the beginning of the cast, the beginning of the movie, so I'm not going to complain. You know, mm-hmm. it's fine. Chuck Jones rules, so it's fine. So, what's your first problem? My first problem is okay. So when I sat down to watch this, I, you know, and I'm an adult now, I was like, I bet I will relate to Miranda a lot more. Mm-hmm. I bet I will think that she is a victim, which she is, but. Uh, I, I just thought I would side with her a lot more with, like, the irresponsible ex-husband. But I also didn't remember that they decide to get divorced at the beginning of the movie. For some reason, I had it in my head they were already divorced. 
And so it was really weird thinking, oh, he like lives there and he, he, he's married to her and he's throwing this ridiculous party. Yes. So, but Miranda, um, I mean, she sees, like, I, I understand that she feels he makes her the bad guy, uh, which I get. Yes. And I get that she thinks he's irresponsible with the kids, but he also clearly really loves these kids. Yeah. And I don't like that, you know, it's it seems to be his first visitation. Like, she has dropped the kids off an hour late and has shown up an hour early to pick them up. And he gets them one day a week. He doesn't even get them all night. Mm-hmm. And it fucking pisses me off. No, I get that, but we... <laughs> We don't know what their relationship was like. Just wa- rewatching this film, Jen, I fucking hated Daniel. No, I, no, I he... really don't like him. But I do agree with the, your point that, you know, she should at least give him his, his time with the kids. Because she's good with the kids. Yeah, I so understand. I, agree with you there, so. I get why she might, like, loathe him, right? <laughs> um, somebody, I had, I had posted that I was watching this on Facebook, and someone said a problem they had with it is that. Sally Field and um, Robin Williams don't have chemistry. Um, and but they're not supposed to. They're divorced. Well, and that's the thing. And and by the way, shout out to uh, Chris Columbus for casting a woman who is older than the man instead of like twenty years younger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is pretty standard. Um, but like she says, they've been trying to make it work for fourteen years. Like who? Kn- they clearly aren't in love anymore. And who knows? how long ago, how long it's been since they were in love. And so it does like, she's probably at the point where she's just been barely tolerating him. And so I get it, but it's also like, she sees him fight for custody of the kids and he, he's given just hours a week. Don't do that late and early shit that it it just, it really pisses me off. And, and part of that is that I've known people who, the, and it goes both ways. Like, this, you know, the genders are swapped sometimes, but that, like, women will badmouth the father to the kids. And I'm not talking about the fathers who, like, never show up or rarely show up. I'm talking about, like, the ones who are, who, like, you know, they pay their child support, they get their cust, they, like, you know, are good with their yeah, times. Yeah. Um, and they just, like, they'll try to screw them over and they badmouth them to the kids. And people of all genders do the badmouthing to the kids. And I just feel like this isn't about you. This is about the kids. Mm-hmm. And you should let them have their time with the parent. Like, as long as their lives aren't in danger, as long as the parent isn't, like, you know, a drug addict or something. Like, you know, it's it's unfair to the kids. And I feel so bad yeah. for Lydia in this movie because she seems like the biggest adult. Anyway, that's my that's my my second problem is just Miranda is being completely unfair to him. Well, it's your first problem. For some reason, um, I was looking at the number two. Right. Okay. I don't know how this is gonna go, Jen. Mm-hmm. I don't know how my second problem is gonna go mm-hmm. with you, with you. But <laughs> I I think I think Daniel Howard is a terrible human being. <laughs> he is. <laughs> right. Okay, so this is my thing about life that mm-hmm. like you can you can hear about someone cheating on their spouse. And you yeah. can think what a horrible person. Anyone who would do that is terrible. 
And then maybe somebody comes, like a friend comes to you and you've witnessed their marriage and know it's horrible. And they're like, like they're telling you about it and it becomes clear they cheated because they were too chicken to end the relationship. And they thought that that's what would help. And like, even though that's a bad method, you're like, I know this person well, I know, I see what they're in, what they were doing. So you, you maybe sympathize with them more than you would anyone else in that situation. Right. right? Cause you know, you know, the details, you know, the intentions. And that's the thing about <laughs> this movie is as I'm watching it. I'm like, well, there's a guy who doesn't get time with his kids. He sees this opportunity and um, which like he needs income too. Yeah. Um, and so, and he happened, you know, he probably wouldn't have come up with this idea if he didn't have the resources to like dress up as a woman convincingly. Like I get it. This guy, like it's sweet. Right. But Does it's it not. No, but like, there's a way you can look at it, and you like you sim- you see how he got to this place, right? Like you see that yeah. his intentions seem pure. But then there's the thing of like, women are killed all the time by exes. Women are stalked all the time, and this guy's like coming into her house mm-hmm. and pretending to be someone else. Yeah. And, like, giving her relationship advice and basically telling her she shouldn't wear a dress because it makes her look like a hoe. Yep. He is fucked up. Yeah, he is a terrible, terrible human being. Like, stalking, fraud, assault, um, attempted murder. He tries to kill Stu, for fuck's sake. He, he, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. um, we're going to go back to something that we talked about in um, Sleepless in Seattle. With okay. the, uh, the, was it Walter? character yeah and, and i said that i really wish that they gave him like something for us the audience to dislike more mm-hmm. and that is actually amplified like a hundred percent here with Stu because Stu is played by 1990s pierce brosnan mm-hmm. who is a suave motherfucker mm-hmm. right and he loves the kids as well he's really good with the kids and at no point does he try to, like, send the kids off to boarding school or anything? Well, yeah. Oh, um, my God. So, you know how I said I didn't remember, you know, there were certain things I didn't remember very well? Yeah. The way that they, I mean, the, first of all, the fact that they cast him and he seems like maybe he'd be smarmy. Like, the way this was written, I've seen it a million times, and I remembered it as he was the sleazy guy who would probably want to, like, send them to boarding school and stuff. Yeah. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, this is a really nice guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, watching it now, it's like, see, I think I had that memory too. I haven't seen this in about maybe ten years, mm-hmm. but that haven't. I, I, I think I did have that memory that Pierce Brosnan that he deserved everything he got, but he doesn't. He doesn't deserve any of it. He doesn't mm-hmm. deserve getting smacked in the head with a fruit or getting almost killed by um, uh, the powder stuff that he's allergic to. Oh, it's just so he goes through so much shit that. I mean, I don't know if he is still with Miranda at the end of the film because we don't see him in the last scene. But it's like I, I really hope that he has just said, "Right, fuck, I'm out." You know, um, this is not worth it. <laughs> Seriously, I'm sorry, but this is not worth it. Um, but yeah, it, and another thing is that the movie rewards Daniel for all this shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm really happy they don't. Have that, right, we'll get into the them not recon- re- reconciling um, at the end, because that's not positive. Um, but we'll um, talk about that later. But, uh, I mean, he still gets he gets the job 
he gets the job that he wants. He's on TV all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's he's popular and he's liked and everything. And it's like oh, he should be in jail. I I understand that sometimes people have to like hit rock bottom to get better, right? Like I I'm I'm I understand. Like at first I was you know complaining to Dylan about how this guy has to like basically become Mrs. Doubtfire to improve himself. All the, but really, really, I understand it's the divorce um, yeah. that makes him realize he has to improve things. Um, I get that. I, I I don't fault someone necessarily for that. But yeah, it's also really frustrating to think that that's what has to happen to change. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, I know that that's I mean, realistic, but it sucks. Yeah, but does, does he actually really change? I, we don't really see him change. We just see... I mean, we'll get to the last scene later because um, I want to talk about that. But we don't really we don't really know if he's changed or not. Really, is is my thing. Um, maybe he has. That's fine. But I don't think we see it enough. Well, he he cooks and cleans. That's true. He, um, he does he does change in that respect, yeah, because he keeps his place tidy for yeah for the kids coming. That is right. Yeah, he manages right. to get himself like in in. I mean, first of all, he doesn't his pride isn't so ridiculous that he doesn't take a job um, so that he can, you know, get closer to spending the time with his kids. Mm-hmm. Like he, even though that job is just like shipping <laughs> film canisters and yeah. um, like he still, he sticks with the job and he manages to end up turning that into more of a dream job. Like, I think that he has grown up a lot by the end, but the way in which he went to do it, have you seen that recut trailer? On YouTube, yeah, I have. Yeah, but it's just like Sleepless in Seattle. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's a recut to look like a, a horror movie. Well, and and those those trailers, like not necessarily the ones where like The Shining is like a fun comedy or whatever, but the the ones like Sleepless in Seattle and Mrs. Doubtfire are the ones that really showed me how terrible these main characters are. It had yeah. never occurred to me before because we just kind of watch movies and accept the premise. See, I don't think ones like like the Shining one that you mentioned. I don't think that works. Yeah, it doesn't. It 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 specifically has to be turning something into like a horror or a thriller. Yeah, because all they do with that is just put jaunty music over it, and that doesn't work. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you that Daniel is awful, and I I like to think that she stayed with Stu. Yeah, and that I, Stu I, I, was just a really great stepdad who was like maybe even really nice to Daniel. And it drove Daniel crazy. Yeah, because we never saw Daniel and Stuart interact, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But I bet you that he probably, Stuart's probably really good with Daniel. Because I just imagine that he is, he is dating a woman who has three kids and two of them are teenagers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That can't be easy for someone to do that. So he clearly is a good enough guy, you know, to be like, hey, I like this woman, I like her kids, I'm not, you know, going to ship them off to boarding school. <laughs> well, and it's not just that he likes her and he likes the kids. He's That guy's like, I, I thought you hated kids, like, I thought you wouldn't want to date someone with kids. And he's, he's basically just like, not only was I never going to have kids... But, like, I love these kids. Like, it's not just that he, he takes to them a little, but that he was someone that never, you know, thought he would. That's yeah. a big turnaround. And, you know, justice for Stu, 
yeah. So what's your uh, what's your second problem? Um, the thing that I find that I because the the man dresses woman stuff like I don't necessarily personally watch it even thinking about uh, him being trans or somebody thinking he's trans or anything like that. Like I don't think about any trans issues when I'm watching that. There's a way I could see them remaking this today. But, like, movies are more, you know, woke now. So what it would be is, like, his gay brother would be talking to him at some point about how this was offensive. And, like, the kids would be like, oh, she's trans. We shouldn't say anything. Like, the kids would would be savvy enough to know they shouldn't say shit. They wouldn't do the allergy stuff because we know better. There's, There's a lot of things in this movie that are, you know, jokes that, like, just would not work now. And like the one that really gets to me is when he's calling to pretend to be different potential nannies. Okay. So I understand that this is supposed to showcase his voices, Mm -hmm. but he does like Indian voices and shit. And that doesn't play so well now. Um, it also makes me feel like, does he think that only foreign and by foreign, I mean, not white because Scottish, obviously, um, yeah. but that he like that that would be a deterrent um, that bothers me and I, and I know that they're also saying bad things but then you know one of his little characters says I don't work with the males because I used to be one Yeah. what the hell I know. what does that even mean <laughs> like it's offensive but like I don't even understand like it's a joke that doesn't even make sense to me I know. you know I was giving my theory about like what a woke update would be yeah. And I just looked down and saw my note about the creepy bus driver. And a lot of this movie would be him discovering how much things suck for women. And, like, he would actually tell Miranda hey. that he, like, gets it. That would be interesting because he deals with, like, you know, female bullshit a little. Yeah. But I would like to watch that arc. Yeah, you would think that this kind of story, he would go through more of that. But I think it's because... He's an elderly, um, an elderly Scottish woman. I don't think that you know if it was a younger guy playing, like a a, a younger woman. I think they would have had more of that in it. But it is good that they did put some of it in. Yeah. What's your third problem? Um. Right. The movie has the most um, egregious on the nose use of a rock song ever in the history of movies. <laughs> And that is, um, and this is before Suicide Squad, which that that's all that movie is. Um, I still but, haven't seen it. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's not great. <laughs> um, but Dude Looks Like a Lady by Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. Just, just the montage of that, it's very on the nose. And I do like that song, because I do like Aerosmith. But um, yeah, that was just, that watching this time around, it was cringe-worthy for me. It's like, dude looks like a lady, really. You're putting that in there. <laughs> I've always had a problem with that, but I've just never yeah. liked that song. So no. I, I've i just, I don't remember. I think, I feel like I've just always hated that. <laughs> yeah, because the one thing I remember about it is whenever I hear the song, say, like it was playing on a, an 80s radio station or something, um, whenever I hear the song, um, and when, he, when Steven Tyler does the, <laughs> and Mrs. Doubtfire does the finger, gives the finger. Mm-hmm. I always do that. Um, if I'm alone and um, the song's playing and then Steven Tyler does that, I always like to shut <laughs> the finger to nothing <laughs> because of this movie. 
Um, so yeah, I remember that. And I always remember that whenever it's on TV, they cut that bit out. I always remember that as well. So whenever I, it's on TV and I will catch it and that bit's on, I'm like, oh, the finger, the, you know, splitting the bunch is coming up, but not the cut out. <laughs> so yeah, what's your third problem? I mean, we already kind of talked about it a little, but it's yeah. the it's the allergy thing. It's um like that. That's one of the things that really plays as problematic because, and this one I have seen, you know, this kind of thing directly influence society because people do not take allergies seriously and he has a pepper allergy and um who knows how he would react to that yeah and i would love it if at that point he died and then daniel goes to prison and that's the end (laughs) of the movie yeah and and that kind of shit pisses me off even more because i have a friend whose kid um whose oldest kid is allergic to peanuts And, I mean, every day the kid goes to school, there's a fear that he could die. Like, the kid can't go to most birthday parties because everything (laughs) is made (laughs) with peanuts or near nuts or, you know, like, it's, she has to have, uh, for a long, I think she found something local finally, but she had to have chocolates imported so her kid could try different chocolates it is messed up. And I think that in movies, seeing people not take allergies seriously or seeing it never be as serious as it is in real life is bad. And once again, if this were remade today, I do not believe that part would be there. Um, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think I know anyone who's allergic to things in that way. Um, I'm not allergic. I'm allergic to penicillin. Oh, really? Um, so that could kill me. <laughs> um, but it's not as though I'm going to be, you know, um, injecting myself with penicillin or anything. So. Oh, you're so, missing out. I do it every day. Yeah, well, I can. Well, I'd be dead. So, um, yeah. <laughs> we all have different tastes in music. Some of us like hip-hop. Some of us like vaporwave. So shouldn't we all be able to have different wireless options, too? Because while one person might need unlimited, shared data might work better for someone else. And other people could be into having a mix of each, all in one plan. But that's their way, exactly the way they want it. It's your wireless, your rules, only with Xfinity Mobile. Go to XfinityMobile.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Requires post-pay Xfinity Internet. My positive is the way that this movie portrays divorce, and specifically the last scene. Mm-hmm. Because they don't get back together, and this you know this isn't some liar liar shite where um you can be a terrible human being, but you know you learn your lesson and then your wife gets back with you even though her uh, new man is a perfectly acceptable human being. I mean, technically, um, it could have just been the kid's wish coming true. What a liar liar! Yeah, yeah. Well, that just opens up a lot of questions, <laughs> doesn't it? That's one we could definitely of, talk about, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're right. Liar, liar. I don't even know if it's on the list, but it fucking is now. Right? <laughs> so, I like the way that the very last scene is there's still an awkwardness between the two of them. Yeah. That she is she is accepting the fact that, that he did all this for, to see his kids. It wasn't the right thing to do, but he was dedicated but she's still sort of, you can tell in the performance by Sally Field in the last scene that she's still sort of like, I don't like you. <laughs> it's not as though that, that she 
she's now his biggest fan or anything. Well, I'll say this, though. She loved Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. And I think there's, like, even though she has so much resentment towards Daniel and stuff, at the end of the movie, I think she's realized, like, oh, just because I have issues, like, this man is a good man. And, like, she, I mean, and I hadn't really thought of it till now, but, like, maybe she could even see it as, like, well, I got along really well with Mrs. Doubtfire, and I loved her. Maybe I can get to that kind of friendship. Yes. With him. Yes. But it's not there yet. Yeah. It's not there in that last scene, and that's why I like that. It's not as though they're, they're both, like, palling about, and they're both best friends, and mm-hmm. hugging each other and stuff. It's, it's just, there's an awkwardness there. Um, and I like the fact that the film acknowledges that that it's not an easy thing. Divorce is not an easy thing, and um, and you're not just going to be best friends with um, your former spouse straight away. Mm-hmm. It can happen, but I do like the fact that there's still sort of like not animosity, but there's still sort. Of, I don't think she's quite there yet, and that's what I like about it. And I like the fact that it's him at the end and not Mrs. Doubtfire because they could have easily have opened the door and Mrs. Doubtfire was standing there and that would have been really really shy <laughs> yeah if they didn't like because I remember when I was younger watching it and being afraid that they're just like you know when she says she Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire that like she would then hire him to dress up as Mrs. Doubtfire and like I remember even as a kid thinking I hope that's not what happens because mm. that would be really messed up yeah it would have been but no, it's good that the door opened. Because I think even the movies wanting you to expect that. Mm-hmm. Because it's a reveal that it's him that's standing there. So I think the movies make you think maybe it could be Mrs. Outfire. But yeah, I'm glad it wasn't. I would like to have seen Stu in that last scene, though. I would yeah. like to have known that him and Miranda are okay. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. So what's, um, what's your positive? The kids. The kids are great. Like, not only are the kids good actors. Um, yeah. And Mara Wilson, you know, I think this is her first role. And she was kind of like, you know, in the 90s, she was one of the iconic child actors. And she, she's so cute. I just, they're, they're all great. But um, so like, it's, but it's not just the kids as actors. I really like the kids as characters. Like this, this movie doesn't have kids, you know, acting out super horribly because they're mad at their parents. Like, Lydia is kind of the spokesperson for the kids. And yeah. she'll be like, I think what you're doing is shitty. But there's not, a, like, a ton of, like, door slamming and rebelling and stuff. These are just kids who are trying to live their lives and want to see their parents. And um, I, it's just, it's different from what how you might see kids in a movie like this. I think most people would have done stuff like that. But they're, like, coming home from school and watching dick van dyke show together right yeah like which that was a classic episode they were watching and r.i.p uh carl reiner but um like these kids get along like these siblings they're like friends they're hanging out together they're not complaining that much considering what they're dealing with and like lydia you know she's rude to mrs doubtfire but then she realizes her mistake and like goes out of her way to apologize like, I just love that these kids are just, they're mature, and they're not, they don't go into any, like, cartoonish shit about, like, bratty kids. Yeah, the movie could easily have done a, a stupid thing where, like, the youngest child um, runs away or some shit, or the oldest child, uh, 
the girl, the oldest mm-hmm. girl runs away or something nonsense. They could have done something like that. But I'm glad that they kept the kids grounded. Because this movie, I mean, this movie is, it's, I don't think of it as a movie about a man dressed as a woman. I think of, about it as being about a really shitty divorce. Mm-hmm. It's actually a really serious and depressing movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a way to make this movie where you don't have Robin Williams, and it's just a little darker. I don't know how to feel about it now, though. It, it was a film I liked when I was younger. I wouldn't say a child because I was a teenager, but it was a film I really liked back then. But now as I've got older and I understand things a little bit better, um, I do think that Daniel is just an awful, awful human being. Mm-hmm. But hey-ho, that is life. <laughs> so do you have anything else to add or will we wrap up? Oh, just that I don't know if this would matter to anyone, but I, I went to the trouble of looking it up, so I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. So she's paying the nanny or the housekeeper $300 a week, which like considering it seems like she doesn't, I don't know how many hours she has Mrs. Doubtfire working, but Daniel's able to go to another job. So it's definitely not a full-time job. Yeah. Um, but he hears $300 a week and he's like, he reacts like that's a lot of money. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know it's definitely more expensive to live in San Francisco right now than it was then. Um, but that right. converts to $535.22. Doesn't seem like great pay. <laughs> yeah, but that you've just reminded me of something, though. She, he is letting his ex-wife pay him to look after his kids. Something you said earlier on about him, he could probably just like quit jobs willy-nilly because she has a good job, mm-hmm. right? Right. It seems to me that that's something that he probably did a lot. Yeah. He was very irresponsible. But and now he's taking three hundred grand sorry, three hundred dollars <laughs> off his you know, uh, three hundred dollars off his wife to look after his kids because of this scam that he's running. But in all fairness, he before he ran a scam, he was like, Let me take that. No, I understand that. But Mrs. Doubtfire should have been like Mrs. Doubtfire should have been thinking the same though. If you have, if you wanted to go the whole thing, Mrs. Doubtfire should have said, oh, 200 or 100, you know, make it less money. Instead, it's it becomes about the money at a certain degree. It just seems a bit strange. But anyway. also, wouldn't you be kind of suspicious of someone who was like, I'm not going to take that much money? <laughs> no, that's true. But also, if we're going to talk about Miranda, if she was married to this man for, what, 15 years, say, mm-hmm. maybe more than that, Shouldn't she recognise him, even through makeup? Because she knows that he does voices. Yeah. Did he, did he, he never did a Scottish accent <laughs> at all during their marriage? Well, okay, um, so, look, I've been thinking about this a lot. <laughs> right. Like, Dylan came through the room when I was watching it, and, like, he came in and during the scene where everybody, where the kids meet Mrs. Doubtfire, and I'm like, wouldn't they recognise him right away? And and then a few minutes later, I read the trivia that the first time his son saw him in the makeup, he didn't recognize him. Um, Although he did recognize him when he spoke. (laughs) Um, So I do think because he does voices and stuff that they would recognize the voice. But I also bought, well, first of all, you wouldn't expect an old woman to be your dad or your ex-husband. Like, we have to remember that, that, like, why would they, what, you would, even if you thought it for a second, you'd be like, no, that's ridiculous, right? Yeah, but 
She still looks a bit like Robin Williams. <laughs> she still looks like roundy eyes, especially. She still got Robin Williams' eyes. I, I guess I mean, after I still know. <laughs> I don't know. After I heard the thing about his son, and like kids are super observant. So yeah. like a little kid, like my kid would be more likely to notice it than I would. Um, right. That made me buy it a little more. Although it is, I mean, you shouldn't have to have outside information <laughs> to under to, to buy something in a movie. But True. um I I do buy it a little more. Uh but yeah with the voices. Although, you know, he may be so annoying with doing different voices that maybe they just tuned him out years ago. Yeah. But I think then, the uh, little girl should have been the one most likely to notice and she didn't. Yeah. But again, is that would that have been a trope? Does this film actually, you know, subvert that? That it's not the little girl that discovers it first, and the way that it's discovered is because she's standing up peeing. You know, it's like yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, there's some good stuff in this film. There's some bad stuff in this film. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it still these days. Uh, it still made me laugh a couple of times. So mm-hmm. there you go. It made me and, cry. It made me laugh and it made me cry. I cried at the end during that final monologue. Yeah. But that's partially that we didn't mention it's got a uh, Howard Shore score uh-huh. and it's very good. And it's the kind of score that's good at emotionally manipulating. Me. That speech at the end is lovely though. It is. That monologue when but when you, the little girl. but when I think about it, I'm hearing the music in my head. Yeah, like okay. I know that it's this, like a lot of it is the monologue and the fact that he's delivering it as Mrs. Doubtfire and we're not hearing him as Daniel. Right. Like, yeah. He's got a very, I know you don't love the accent, but it's a very soothing voice to me. Yeah. And that combined with the score, I was a wreck. No, it, I mean, the accent's fine. It's all right. <laughs> it's exaggerated. It's just, I don't know. Americans wouldn't know, so. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm actually trying to think what the best Scottish, like someone tr- doing a Scottish accent, what the best one is, and I can't really think. Oh, Johnny Lee Miller in Trainspotting is the best because I thought he was Scottish for years and he's English. So there you go. Um, <laughs> if anyone's ever seen Trainspot. Right, so that's all we have time for. Um, if you'd like to send us a message, contact shiftybench.co.uk um, Send us any suggestions if there's any films from the, the 80s or 90s that you think that may have problematic elements in it. Um Obviously, we have to have seen it when we were children. Otherwise, that would have been that's sort of not the point <laughs> of the podcast. Um, uh, you can follow me at Drop the Pilot Pod on Twitter. Where can they follow you, Jen? Um, at Pilot Inspectors on Twitter, um, and that's my other podcast I haven't done in forever. <laughs> and I also yeah. have a Party of Five rewatch podcast called Closer to Free, uh, which I haven't mentioned in I think on this podcast at all. But we actually finally started recording again. So right. <laughs> it is the active podcast. Yeah, uh, drop the pilot is coming back though. So it's, it, I'm I'm just sorting out guests. So I will I, it shall return. Yeah. So I like to thank you all for listening, and I'll sp- we'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Bye. It's a very quiet bye. Bye. <laughs>